engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, let's do it. Twitter.com slash real Donald Trump. Uh, he, no, he hasn't tweeted in, in seven hours. Folks, it, maybe General Kelly is doing some good here. Uh, the president has had one, two, three tweets today. Uh, first, when stock market could hit all-time high again, 22,000 today, was 18,000 only six months ago on Election Day. Mainstream media seldom mentions two. Corporations have never made as much money as they are making now. Thank you, Stuart Varney, Fox and Friends. Uh, jobs are starting to roar. Watch. And three, only the fake news media and Trump enemies want me to stop using social media. 110 million people. I don't know what he means by that. Only way for me to get the truth out. Um, th there you go. Those are his only tweets. They do not change the message. They do not subvert the message. They do not undermine the message. Maybe the president is turning the corner with General Kelly. Now, from what we are told, General Kelly is one of the few people who has yelled at the president. And he's done so behind closed doors. In fact, from what I'm told and what's being reported in the media, General Kelly vehemently disagreed with the president on the original structure of his immigration order. He was not opposed to the way it was restructured. He was opposed to the first one, knowing it would cause them legal problems. And he asked everyone to leave the room. The president did not require everyone to leave the room. And General Kelly made it very clear he would not talk to the president, frankly, until everyone left the room. When everyone did leave the room, everyone could hear yelling inside the Oval Office. Now, the point of this story is to tell you that based on firsthand accounts, the president related to people after that exchange that he appreciated the fact he had one member of his cabinet who would be very blunt with him, but do so discreetly. He appreciated the fact that General Kelly would speak his mind, but do it in such a way that he and the president were never seen conflicting. He always publicly had the president's back. Uh, the president apparently liked that. So now he's doing this inside the White House in general. And, you know, here's a little story that hasn't really been reported um, that I know. And that is, if you remember, after the first debate, President Trump stopped tweeting altogether. And I am told that the reason for that is that Kellyanne Conway took his phone away and told him once he won the election, she would give him his phone back. And there was a gap in there until after the election where the president stayed off Twitter. Now, the reason this is significant is because we've got a situation where, um, where the president has a message this week on tax reform. The Senate and House need to be on the same page. And the president, if he were to go off on a tangent again, could undermine tax reform. So the fact that he's being disciplined thus far is a good sign. Listen, I realize those of you who are skeptical of the man, there is a very low bar here. I mean, we are defining things down here to, to say there's a change at the White House, but we're only six months in of a four-year presidency, so there is time still. All these people who have written him off altogether, we're only six months in. You can't write off a four-year presidency after just six months. You can't. Listen, I, I guess I should tell you, I started right off the bat with that, uh, that it is Eric Erickson at Atlanta's Evening News, and the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. By the way, um, it, it, a random side 
note here and a small prayer request. Um, any of you who have tried to get me on the phone since last Thursday uh, know that you have not been able to get me on the phone. Uh, and I have done my best not to talk to anyone outside of the office. Uh, all because tomorrow I start the audiobook for Before You Wake. And they advise me in the week beforehand not to talk to anybody to save my voice. So I, I have tried to be relatively quiet outside of doing the radio show. And um, I, I have no idea why, uh, but in any event, I start the audiobook tomorrow. And so I'll be doing the audiobook uh, four days from nine to three, and then the radio show for two hours a day. I expect my voice to be shot. So prayers appreciated. We'll see. And I just, I found it so weird. They didn't want me to talk in the run up to, they don't care about during the time that I'm doing it, but in the week in the run-up to it, uh, they wanted me to save my voice. I have no idea. I've never done an audiobook before, but uh, very precise people. So if you would like to pre-order Before You Wake, you can text the word WAKE, W-A-K-E, to 444-999, the word WAKE to 444-999. Uh, we'll be doing a number of book signings in the Atlanta area, uh, and the, the audiobook will be in my own voice, letters to my kids in my own voice. Now, Let's get back to the president here. We are in the middle of tax reform, and there's a local angle here that I think we need to acknowledge and explore. In addition to Republicans at the national level doing tax reform, the Republicans in the state of Georgia want to reconsider tax reform. Governor Deal has cautioned them on rushing into this. And the reason he's cautioned them into rushing into this is because we've seen this in the, in the past where times are good, they make major changes to the tax code, and then when times get bad, they don't have revenue, and they need to build up their rainy day fund. Well, Casey Cagle has really taken the lead on this to his credit. Uh, Brian Kemp, I think Hunter Hill and, and Michael Williams all favor it. Uh, Casey Cagle potentially being the most outspoken on it of all of them. He wants to get rid of the income tax in the state of Georgia and move completely to a sales tax. And the reason he wants to do it is a very compelling reason, uh, and people shouldn't be dismissive of it. Tennessee and Florida both have a sales tax and they do not have an income tax. They've got a property tax and they have a sales tax. They do not have an income tax. And we are increasingly finding in this state competition for business is being impacted by the fact that Tennessee and Florida do this. And South Carolina itself has a more streamlined tax code than Georgia. So we are surrounded by three states that have better tax laws than we do, not just better tax laws for businesses, but better tax laws for individuals as well. Uh, the sales tax, largely the way it's structured in Florida and in Tennessee, is beneficial across the board to people, and uh, the lieutenant governor wants to really pursue this issue. It should be an interesting thing as the legislative session comes up. Uh, and then likewise, Brian Kemp, Hunter Hill, and Michael Williams as well uh, want to pursue this tax reform. Nationally, the Republicans also want to pursue tax reform. They're not looking at getting rid of the income tax. They're not looking at imposing a flat tax or a fair tax. What they are looking at doing is tax simplification. The American tax code has not been simplified since the uh, omnibus tax reform package of 1986 when Ronald Reagan was president. And every tax bill we've had since, every tinker we've had with the tax code has been nibbling at different bits of it. What President Trump wants to do is get a bipartisan group together and come up with a comprehensive tax plan. Now, here's where you need to be careful. The president has said on the campaign trail 
that he does not want to raise taxes on anyone. He wants to lower taxes. But the president has now on three occasions publicly and more than five occasions privately informed Republicans and Democrats that he would be okay raising taxes on people who make more than a million dollars a year. That if that would help to soften the blow, soften the burden of getting tax reform through, he is very able, willing, and happy to do that sort of tax reform. So there may be a tax increase, but it would only be a tax increase on, well, the super rich in the country, the more the, the millionaires and multimillionaires, Steve Bannon favoring a $5 million price point for the tax increase. But now White House officials are also saying there will be no tax increase at all. We'll see where that goes. Uh, more on these details uh, as they come out. And when we come back, the Democrats, well, they think they found someone to run against Donald Trump. It's actually pretty hysterical who they think they found. Twenty-five after the hour. Eric Erickson here on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, we'll get into this Democratic challenger to Donald Trump, uh, who appears to be shaping up on the behest of the Obama team, no less. But first, you know the president complaining about the cost of the new Air Force One? So the Pentagon went through this thing of were they going to get an Airbus or were they going to get a Boeing jet for the president? Now, it makes sense to you and me, obviously, that they should get a Boeing American-made jet as opposed to a European-made jet. But they, they cost it out. They had a bidding war and Boeing came in. Well, the Boeing plane was still super expensive. And after the election, President Trump uh, several times on Twitter and in public statements criticized the cost of the new Air Force One. Now, the president needs a new Air Force One. The 747 the president flies now is, it came out uh, George H.W. Bush, so it came out 1989, 1990-ish. Uh, they've been flying it that long, and it flies a lot, and there are two of them, and they both fly a lot. One is Air Force One, the other one is designated Air Force Two with Vice President flies on it. Well, here's you an ir irony of all ironies. There's a Russian airliner, Transero. It bought two 747-800s from Boeing. It's the brand new composite material made 747. <laughs> Transero's gone bankrupt. So it can't take possession of the planes. Aeroflot, the Russian national airliner, has refused to accept them and won't pay for them, so they're built, they've been flight tested, and Boeing has parked them in the Mojave Desert where planes go to die. <laughs> well, guess what the Air Force is buying? These two jets for a price tag of $386.8 million, the two of them, uh, which is actually massive savings from what they were going to have to buy. Now, additionally, the Pentagon is setting aside a $3.2 billion budget for the upgrades to this Air Force One. Uh, you know, they've got to have the two machine, they've got to have the two planes, and they've got to be identical. So what it goes into an Air Force One? Private conference rooms in the cabin, private sleeping quarters for the president, an operating room for medical emergencies, a mid-air refueling probe, flares hidden in the wings to deter missile attacks, and a fuselage that can survive a nuclear blast on the ground. 
think about them apples. Also bulletproof, obviously. Um, so, yes, and all the communications, equipment, everything else. You know, the, the current Air Force One, back in 2001, didn't even have cellular service. Um, that didn't come until well after 9-11. I mean, they were virtually cut off from the world other than a secure line to the Russians built into Air Force One. This one will have all the state-of-the-art stuff. The president, he got his deal on Air Force One. Bet you won't hear about it in the media very much. It is 540, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, and guess what? The radar is clear. Oh, y'all are going to love this one. Barack Obama's inner circle has recruited who they want to be president come 2020 to run against Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, that would be Deval Patrick. Now, for those of you who don't know who Deval Patrick is, if you ever remembered um, Barack Obama's speech where he said, uh, just words, uh, well, he, it was basically a line he stole from Deval Patrick, who was the uh, governor of Massachusetts, I believe the first black governor of Massachusetts. And he, the problem is that Deval Patrick doesn't seem to want it. Uh, and more importantly, he's a former governor. He's not a current governor. Um, but he's who the Obama team wants uh, because they think he can connect with suburban white voters. Uh, and even if he turns off uh, blue collar white voters, he's black. So black voters will come out at a larger rate than they did for Hillary Clinton. Uh, that seems to be their gamble. The problem here is that Deval Patrick is someone Barack Obama knew he wanted to be president. And because he knew he wanted to be president, with the exception of a few things that he did in the Illinois State Senate, he spent a lot of time voting present so he wouldn't have a record. And he spent a lot of time trying not to pretend to be liberal. Deval Patrick was governor of Massachusetts, where it did not hurt him at all to be a super liberal. Gay rights, transgender rights, abortion rights, uh, anti-Christian, anti-homeschool, anti-private school, you name it, Deval Patrick is a liberal's liberal. And so he would have that record. Uh, but, you know, the, the Obama inner circle, I'm increasingly finding this, by the way, and it's a problem on both sides, but it's really hurting the Democrats, I think. Now, again, I, I'm no prophet here, but... It seems that the Democrats have become so insular because they've isolated themselves in large cities along the American coast. So everyone around them thinks like themselves. It's a lot easier for a conservative in the United States to encounter a liberal who hasn't moved to a coastal city than it is for a coastal liberal to encounter a conservative. Because they've priced conservative small Christian families out of the market in their big cities. Uh, they, they never encounter poor people because they live in, in gated communities or they live in large high-rises with doormen and chauffeurs. But yet they think they know what's best for everyone. And they see a guy like Deval Patrick who looks like them and they think this guy will relate to America. Well, it relates to the America they know, which isn't necessarily the America. Kind of like Charles de Gaulle said that there was, there was Paris and then there was France. There's the New York-Washington corridor, and then there's America. 
you know, this is also part of the problem that the media has these days in what used to be a, a what is the word I'm thinking, a profession, I guess we can call it for lack of a better term. You used to have a situation in the media where you had a farm team of reporters at local newspapers around the country. Uh, you had the uh, reporters of the the beats working the beats at the Atlanta Journal Constitution or the the Atlanta Constitution and the Journal uh, before merge, and then the AJC or the Macon Telegraph or the Miami Herald or the Chattanooga Free Press or wherever, and and they worked the local stories and they worked the local desk and they worked the local police and they worked the local politicians and they knew that local politics is vastly dirtier than anything you'll experience uh, at a national level. Trust me, as a former elected city councilman. City council politics is far nastier than anything you will encounter at the federal level. It really is. You ask any member of Congress who served on a local city council and they will tell you the same thing. And it doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or they're Republican. And it has a lot to do with a lot of the people want to be big fish in small ponds. And so they, the police are on their side and reporters have a hard time getting stories. And so they're used to fighting local bureaucracy. They're used to fighting local police. They're used to fighting local politicians trying to get stories. And you build up a, a camaraderie and you build up a, a an eye for the world. And you also build up an eye for what actually is news and what actually does matter. And eventually the best ones then were promoted nationally. Well, now what happens is you've got a bunch of 20 and 30-something liberals who go to J school in New York City, go out and write for left-wing think tanks, and then they get hired by the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the Washington Post and the New York Times of the world. They've never actually worked a beat. They've never actually worked a local city council. They've never actually had to encounter people in the heartland. And the news, as a result, has become vastly more insular and vastly more incapable of telling stories and also vastly more fixated on stories that no one cares about except for themselves. And that's being reflected in the Russia story and the press's obsession with the Russia story and the absolute conviction that the president is guilty of something, even though they can't name the crime. You know, even if there was collusion, it's not a crime. It may be politically terrible, and it would be, but it's not a crime. You wouldn't know that from reading the press accounts, but then the press accounts are written by 20- and 30-something-year-olds who came out of J school and never had to work a crime beat, so they don't even know what a crime is or isn't. They just hear about it on TV. All their other friends are talking about it, so it must be true. Fifty-five after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Back to the phones we go. Danny and Flowery Branch. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I wanted to see what you thought about the story that the uh, new chief of staff, uh, General Kelly, had called James Comey when he was fired to express his disappointment over the decision and went as far as saying that he was considering resigning over that decision and that Comey convinced him not to resign. You know, it's interesting. One, I would suspect it's obviously from friends of Comey probably who leaked the story, but that it was designed to hurt General Kelly. I actually think it helps him. 
Um, and I think it helps him in a couple ways. We know the president respects the man uh, to the nth degree. And the fact that he has this sense of right and wrong and, and what should and shouldn't happen, and he's willing to privately express that to the president without other people in the room, I think the president like. Well, I know the president likes. I've heard from people in the White House that he likes that. Um, it was something that was clearly designed to hurt General Kelly, in fact, shows that General Kelly is his own man and that he's willing to stand up to the president, but he's also willing to stick it out. And most importantly, that he's not willing to say any of this stuff publicly. He's willing to disagree privately, but not publicly, unlike some people in the White House who are leaking it out all over the place, the stuff, uh, when they disagree. The fact that this is only leaking now is a big indicator to the president and everyone in the White House that John Kelly is not a leaker. So... I think in that regard, this helps him tremendously. Uh, what was designed to hurt him actually will help him in the eyes of the president. Listen, the president knows members of the cabinet uh, did not support the Comey firing. This isn't new to him. And some of them, and I would su suspect that uh, John Kelly's one of them, had a frank conversation with the president and told him at the time. I would have no doubt John Kelly's the type of guy to do that. I mean, it, you know... I, if any of you have surrounded yourselves with Marines before, if any of you have Marine friends, once a Marine, always a Marine. The only people who are not Marines are people who are dishonorably discharged or people who are never in the Marines. And if you're a Marine, you storm beaches and you kill bad guys and you clean up messes. And that's John Kelly's mission in the White House. That's what the president wanted. Uh, and that's what he's doing. I think one of the bigger stories to come out of this is that the Trump family is filled with leakers. We'll get into that when we come back. It is 6.09. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I was going to talk about the Trump kids, but a buddy of mine sent me this. It's all Joe's fault, and I know Joe is listening. This is from the Brooklyn paper. You know, Brooklyn, New York is where all the hipsters live. And oh, wow. Y'all, y'all, you really got to listen to this. A Clinton Hill based veterinarian that's in the Brooklyn area. A Clinton Hill based veterinarian said she has heard clients suggest the, that inoculations could give their pups autism echoing the argument of those who oppose vaccinating kids. But even if dogs were susceptible to the condition, their owners probably wouldn't notice, according to the doctor. I had a client concerned about an autistic child who didn't want to vaccinate the dog for the same reason, said Dr. Stephanie Liff of Clinton Hills, Clinton Hills Pure Paws Veterinary Clinic. We've never diagnosed autism in a dog. I don't think you could. Hip youngsters who promote a more holistic lifestyle for their pets tend to be the most vocal anti-vaxxers, Ford said, but rarely have a particular reason for leaving Fido open to infection. They don't want to give their dog the rabies shots or any other shots because the left-wing hipsters in Brooklyn are afraid they'll give their dog autism. And these people don't want Donald Trump to be your president. 
they think they know better than you. This is, you know, it, it's stuff like this that really makes me hate people. I mean, I maybe I shouldn't say that, but come on. You, you guys, if you're a long-time listener to this program, you know I do all my shopping on Amazon because I just don't like to encounter people uh, because you encounter people like this, and it just it is infuriating to me. They don't want to give their dog a shot because they're afraid their dog will get autism. And these people, millennials, they want to rule the world. Did you know, by the way, there's a study out that, and I don't even know what you call the generation of kids who are coming up um, who are younger than millennials. They're so tainted, by the way. And again, painting with a broad brush here, I understand. Yes, Joe has texted me. Uh, Got me off on a tangent here. But, you know, I, I don't know what that generation of kids are called. The ones who are... 18 to 21 year old now um, who are they'll be entering the workforce if they haven't already started to some degree. They're not millennials. They're younger than millennials. There's been a study done that that the nation historically works on four generations in a hundred year cycle, 25 year periods. And your first are extremely independent. The second generation, they're independent with some collaboration your third generation is very collaborative in the workforce and your fourth generation can't work but by being collaborative. And the millennials are the can't work but by being collaborative. They want open office spaces. They want their their organic, cold-pressed coffee nonsense. Uh, they don't want their dogs to be vaccinated. And they wear skinny jeans so that they're going to become sterile and we don't have to worry about them procreating. But this generation that's coming up tend to be so put off by the millennial attitude that they are the independent ones. The kids who are just entering college right now, study after study after study from their high school years and and middle school years are showing these kids hate to work in groups. They hate to work in collaborative effort. They want their work to be their own work. And maybe we will be redeemed. By the way, I just got an, an email from, you know I have a syndicated column. Well, maybe you don't know I have a syndicated column because it's not in the AJC. <clears throat> but it is in the Carrollton paper and in, over in Jessup. 39 newspapers in the country now carry my syndicated column every Friday. I'm impressed. Okay, we will move on. I'm going to save Ivanka and Jared for later in the show because I need to just have a word with all of you. School has started for many of you. It started yesterday for a number of you, today for more of you. You need to be careful driving in school zones. This is a huge pet peeve of mine. When I was in high school and in college, when I would go home to Louisiana, there was always a speed trap in school zones. Wherever you went, there was a speed trap in school zones, and people knew to slow down. I cannot tell you how often I am in a school zone here in Georgia, and people are passing me. I'm doing the speed limit, 25 miles an hour or 35, whatever it is in the school zone, and people are are blowing their horn. They're speeding past me if it's four lane. Don't speed in school zones, please. Don't do it. That's a, that's a bad idea. I also have to say, I have had several people send me studies that are credible studies from educators that show there is no advantage to a shortened summer. You have a bunch of people peddling this theory that a shortened summer improves knowledge retention for kids, and so we should shorten up the summer and give a bunch of longer holidays during the school year, and I just think it's garbage. My kids will start back next week, 
and I am horribly offended by the shortened summer that we have, which isn't nearly as short as some of you guys have. You can't plan your summer vacations with your kids anymore. You're all having to go to Disney World at the same time as every other kid in America because all of you have a compressed summer vacation. So you're having millions of people pile into the same location at one time instead of being able to spread it out through a longer summer. It is infuriating to me. Now, some parents I realize like this because their kids get out of the house. You know, my wife and I get to the point where we want our kids to go back to school too. We want them done. We want them out of the house. But we're not there yet. And I have had this conversation with umpteen parents, listeners to this program, people texting, emailing, tweeting, and they're not ready yet. And I think these school systems are doing a disservice. The very same school systems that are imposing Common Core on our kids are the very same school systems that think we need a month-long summer vacation, which is crap. It really is. We need a really long summer vacation. And don't give me the nonsense about, well, we don't need it anymore because it used to be farmers and we don't have farms anymore. So the kids don't have to be harvested. All all of us grew up having a summer vacation. Are we stupid people? I don't think we're stupid people when we had a three-month summer vacation. I think we were able to go back and had plenty of, of, of knowledge retention. If there is a knowledge retention problem because kids are taking a three-month vacation, I would say it's the teachers in the schools and it's not the kids. Whatever this newfangled education crap is that they're doing to our kids where none of the parents can do homework with their kids anymore because they can't figure it out because it's some stupid common core thing that's going to turn our kids into automatons for Fortune 500 companies instead of individual creative thinkers. It's that problem. It is not my kid's problem and it's not your kid's problem. I am a firm believer in the fact that kids need summer vacation. They need to run around. They need to be in the outdoors. They need to play. They need to go on vacations with their parents, and they don't need to all be crammed into Disney World at one time during the summer. We don't even take our kids to Disney during the summer because there are so many people there. When we take our kids to Disney, we go in January, and they skip two days of school because there's no one there. I don't even like going to Disney. There's still too many people there even then. But you get my point. I am so frustrated with this stupid two-month summer vacation. The fact that Cobb County Schools started the last day of July instead of even having the, the, the good manners to wait until August when it is the psychological flip switch that school is starting back is ridiculous. And I realize they did it two years ago and they passed it under the radar and no parents at the time paid attention and parents are now horrified. They should have rethought it in the same way my kids school should have thought about not having school on the solar eclipse day none of you should have school for your kids on the solar eclipse day it is a once in 300 year event and the fact that people want to have school on it is absolutely ridiculous to me you should all be up in the north georgia mountains on august 21st not listening to me but standing outside watching a solar eclipse the fact that Schools these days think they know what's best for our kids. Is these nanny state socialists who think that your kids are raised in school. Well, you should be raising your kids and teaching them your values, not the godless secular atheist values that American education and Common Core want them to learn. It is 26 after the hour, and all of my friends who are teachers are hate-texting me right now. <laughs> Although, it, it, Joe, who got me off on my wild tangent, does point out that the whole retention idea is just making sure that you keep your kids engaged through the summer and stop letting them just veg out in front of the TV or the iPad. My kids might have done some of that this summer. Trying to get our kids to read this summer is just something. And, they, and now they don't want to go outside because of that whole Lone Star tick thing that makes them allergic to 
um, allergic to meat. I mean, all my kid eats is bacon. He doesn't want to do that. Y'all, this is not intending to get on Game of Thrones, but there is a relevant story that will make you roll your eyes. There was a scene in Sunday night's Game of Thrones episode where the the king of the north meets the the would-be queen and all of her titles are given um breaker of chains stormborn mother of dragons yada 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 if she spent more time actually doing stuff instead of coming up with titles for herself she'd probably be more successful nonetheless uh so when he responds the, his guy yells out um this is john snow king of the north and that's it and it was just this funny moment that you've got this guy who's in this inferior position uh, who doesn't have all these fancy titles, and, and he's coming to, to see this woman. But apparently some columnist at Yahoo News saw this scene and took it to mean that women have to have all of these titles to prove themselves, and men don't. And so the scene was inherently sexist because he only had one title and could stand on his own. Now... Any normal person who got that scene got the humor in the fact that that he only had one title and nothing impressive, and actually is is well the his doesn't have a, a father, so he's got the B word. It just the whole thing's ridiculous. I really hate these humorless leftists. I really do, but I love you people. When we come back, your phone calls, 404-872-0750. And Jared and Ivanka, more and more allegations, they may be the leakers. It is 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number is 404 872 wsb talk We had a caller earlier who couldn't stay on the line, um, couldn't stay on hold, and he is a senior citizen concerned about the move from an income tax to a uh, statewide sales tax. If you weren't here in the first hour, Casey Cagle, Brian Kemp, uh, Hunter Hill, Michael Williams, they've all come out in favor of scrapping the income tax in the state and just having a state sales tax like Tennessee and Florida do and like South Carolina is headed towards to keep us competitive with them. And there is some legitimate concern from senior citizens over this. However, all of those states, when they did it, uh, they were able to transition um, with credits for the poor and for the elderly who were below a certain uh, income threshold. So I think they can make it work. I mean, Florida has a massive number of retirees. It's not like it has hurt them uh, when it comes to retirees. Now, I got to get into this story because, you know, there's a new leak out about the president that the president himself is the one who drafted the statement for Donald Trump Jr. denying uh, that he had met with a Russian lawyer saying it was just about adoption. It is a leak that has come from multiple sources, including, and this is really curious, curious language. It is that um, it advisors in the White House, let me, I'm, I'm looking for the exact word, here it is, advisors to Trump and his family told the Washington Post they fear any indication that Trump was seeking to hide information about contacts between his campaign and Russians almost inevitably would draw attention, uh, additional scrutiny from Mueller. Now, 
This struck me as an unusual statement, advisors to Trump and his family. And I saw some chatter yesterday and day before yesterday among reporters who are speculating that maybe, just maybe, we should be worried about Ivanka and Jared as some of the leakers. And in fact, several reporters are treating it as fact that some of the biggest leaks now are coming from the White House. There have been a number of profiles lately of Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner who are dyed-in-the-wood liberals who are trying to salvage their reputation in the gay and transgender community and among environmentalists for working with Ivanka's father. And and the woe is me reports of how Ivanka is shut out of the uh, Oval Office and whatnot. And I'm really wondering if some of these leaks are coming from them. And the reason I say this is because in addition to the phrase advisors to Trump and his family, there are a number of leaks that have come out related to this and other things that really get to the president's mindset. And the only people who could leak in that way, assuming they're telling the truth and considering the way the president has responded, he's largely admitted they're true. These leaks are true. It had to be people who have spent a lot of time with him. Interestingly, one of the people who is, some of these leaks have tried to throw under the bus is Kellyanne Conway, as she's up to possibly be the communications director. But Kellyanne Conway couldn't have leaked any of this stuff because the latest leaks involve what happened on Air Force One as they were flying back from Europe. The conversations that happened on Air Force One, the walking back and forth from the president's private uh, room on Air Force One to the back of the plane where they were formulating the statements. Kellyanne Conway was the only White House staffer who wasn't there. She stayed behind in Washington with Mike Pence to run the White House. She was not involved in any of this, so she can't be the leaker. Likewise, Reince Priebus and Sean Spicer couldn't be the leakers because they're the most obvious candidates to be the leakers. These leaks came out right after they were fired. Of course, they would be considered the leakers, so they couldn't. And Spicer continues in his role in the White House. So it's got to be someone else. And I'm starting to wonder, along with these reporters, are these leaks coming from the president's family members? And I think it's a relevant question. Ooh, breaking news right now. The Heritage Foundation Uh, has sought Ben Sass out to be its new president of the Heritage Foundation. Jim DeMitt gone. They want Ben Sass. Ben Sass has declined their offer. Doesn't want to leave the Senate. Truth be told, I think Ben Sass does not want to um, move his family to Washington, D.C. That was one of the hangups with trying to get him to run an independent bid for president as well. Uh, It had nothing to do with him thinking he could or couldn't win. It was he didn't want to move his family to Washington, D.C. He's got small kids. He didn't want to raise them in that environment. And who could blame him? Also, Circa is reporting that Ben Rhodes, the former Obama aide who admitted to lying to the press, bragged about lying to the press in the run-up to the Iran deal, is considered a person of interest in the unmasking investigation. He's emerged as a person of interest in the House Intelligence Committee's unmasking investigation, according to a letter sent Tuesday by the committee to the National Security Agency. This adds roads to the growing list of top Obama government officials who may have improperly unmasked Americans in communications intercepted overseas by the NSA. Fascinating how the media isn't reporting on any of this. You can say, well, Circus is the media, but Circus is not the mainstream media. The mainstream media has been fixated on Russia, but they're not fixated on who in government was unmasking the names inappropriately of American citizens and leaking them to the press. And that did happen. And we should have an investigation. 
It is 54 past the hour. Remember, you can sign up for the daily email by texting WSB to 444-999. Uh, and you'll get all the everything you need to know in your inbox in the morning before the show. Show prep, if you will. Uh, a lot of the stuff we talk about tonight will be in the morning email, so you don't have to call in as well and ask for links to stuff. Marie Claire. The magazine that yesterday I told you was upset about Dunkirk, that it was a, a fascist celebration of Donald Trump's election, the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, they're back at it again today. I swear the you know, you I would think that these people are running these articles as clickbait to try to get traffic, but they're actually serious. And that's the scary part. If it was clickbait, I, I'd kind of get the joke. Ha ha funny. But no, these people are actually serious. They want you to stop celebrating your child's gender. You know how people will sometimes they'll do these little things where they'll release a pink balloon or a blue balloon to unveil that they're having a boy or a girl. Marie Claire ran an article that they think this is a bad idea, that we should be letting the children choose for themselves what they're going to be. No, I'm not making this up. This is like CNN yesterday saying that the, the trans male who was gender identified as a female at birth is giving birth to a baby boy. So apparently CNN is gender identifying the baby, but they're outraged that the trans man was a trans man. It, it, it sounds like it should be a car identify as a car. I, I just, this is so infuriating. These are the people who are afraid they're going to give their dog autism. If they give it a vaccine, and they want to rule America. This is why I am just not sure the Democrats are going to be able to take back Congress next year. And I don't say that flippantly. I don't even say it facetiously, if I can say that word today. you got a bunch of blue-collar workers in America, black, white, and Hispanic, who just want a job, who, because of Obamacare, can't find a job that pays them more than for 37 and a half hours a week. And the Democrats are vastly more interested in dog autism and putting men in women's bathrooms and making Christian bigots bake cakes for same-sex weddings than they are putting people back to work or even making sure your kid gets a sound education. They want to indoctrinate your kid, not educate your kid. Are the people who really want jobs going to vote for them? I don't think so.